turn. Alright, take him. Take him. It's a nice buck. Take him. Heck yeah, buddy. Awesome shot. He's going down. Welcome to the Hunt and Fish Network podcast. All right, ladies and gents, welcome back to the Hunt and Fish Pod Network podcast. I'm your host, Ed Woolley, a.k.a. Mr. Mealy Tynes. This is episode four, and I've got my good buddy, Morgan Abbott, from Kolob Outfitters. How goes it, buddy? It's going good, man. Nice to sit down and have a chat with you for a minute. Heck yeah, man. I appreciate you hopping on, taking the time out of your day to uh, shoot a podcast with me. Yeah, no problem. Maybe uh, if you wouldn't mind taking like a couple minutes and just telling the podcast followers a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I'm Morgan Abbott. I grew up in uh, Delta, Utah. Been hunting my, you know, pretty much my whole life, and uh, now I'm living in Central Utah in Santa Quinn and and loving life. We're fucking right along. I have a, I'm married and have a little girl. She just turned one and, and started Co-op Outfitters in 2022 and early 2022. And yeah, we're just, just plugging along with it. Heck yeah, man. So, uh, start this off. Kind of tell us how you got into hunting. Uh, yeah. So my mom, dad didn't really ever want to you know, have a babysitter. So I always tagged along and ever since I was, you know, just a little, uh, over a year old, been, you know, hanging out with them and, and hunting, you know, along their side, they, uh, my mom actually taught me how to bow hunt <laughs> and, you know, my dad, you know, helped me along the way as well. And get into high school is, you know, all of my free time was, and, you know, put towards setting show cameras, looking for sheds, uh, you know, just developing a passion for hunting and, and pursuing it as much as possible. Uh, archery hunted quite a bit. And, and now I, I've kind of gotten into guiding, don't get to hunt as much for myself, but, you know, I still love it and still get to do it quite a bit. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. How did, uh, Kind of tell us how Kolob Outfitters got started. Yeah, so I was archery hunting uh, elk on the Oak Creeks, and I was coming down after this uh, morning of hunting, stocked a couple of bulls, but no luck. I was walking down the two-track, and, and a guy and his dad were riding up the same two-track on their four-wheelers and stopped to talk to me, and the, the guy is Brody Jarvis, and we had a pretty good conversation and I asked him a few questions, you know, what he was doing, of course. And he told me he was guiding and, and he would be, he was scouting for a upcoming hunt. Well, long story short, we got to be pretty good buddies and, you know, talked a lot through the coming years. And eventually we started co-op outfitters, you know, we just went back and forth with each other. He was at a point where he wanted to, go out on his own. I was at a point where I was just hungry, wanted to get going and get started in the guiding world. So that's how Kolob Outfitters came to be. Heck yeah, dude. That's cool. What's your, uh, what's your favorite thing about guiding? 
Yeah. So I really, really like seeing the success of other hunters and, and being a part of that success. I really enjoy, you know, creating those relationships with these hunters and, and, you know, forming long lasting friendships from with guys all across the world. This year, we'll be able to take some guys out from England, you know, never met anybody from England. That's, that's going to be a pretty cool experience. Hang out with them and uh you know get to know their culture that's another thing you get to show them a little bit of what where you grew up and kind of your background your cultural background and then you know learning from them learning how they grew up hunting and and also being able to teach them and and show them how to hunt out west you know because hunting out west and first east or in england wherever it may be africa it's all different and so being able to share those experiences and and show somebody what you know and and your experience in the past, that's, that's, uh, you know, pretty satisfying to me. And it's, it's even more satisfying to see their success and, and their, you know, gratitude towards you because of their success and how excited they get. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the same way I am, man. I, a lot of the guys that come hunting with me by the end of the five, six day or seven day hunt, they're almost like brothers. Cause we, get to oh, know, yeah. get to know each other so it seems yep. like you have a long lasting relationship after you guide them so i'm kind oh, of yeah. kind of, kind of lot, the same way you are yeah a lot of my clients that i've had in the past i still talk to them and you know we have a great relationship still go out to lunch every once in a while uh, one of the guys i actually took hunting last year really reminded me of you know what it was like to to be able to used to hunt with my dad you know he was you know, uh, had the personality of my dad. He's, he's an older gentleman and, and he just was a great time to be around and, and listen to his stories. And, and man, it, it really contributes to that camaraderie when you've got guys like that, you know, telling stories around the campfire while you're out hunting. It, it's, it's really enjoyable. I really enjoy listening to those older guys tell their stories from back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Those stories, they live live in your head pretty much forever when they tell them stories. Oh yeah. What uh what are key traits in a good outfitter and what should a client look for in hiring an outfitter? Yeah, so you know, one thing you want to look for, especially when you're hiring an outfitter, is uh consistency. You know, what consistency did, does that outfitter have in, in the past and what what uh, animals have they been taking um, with their success, how hardworking they are, how much experience they are in the areas they're going to be hunting. Um, also, you know, are they going to be the guy that's going to uh, take you clear to the end of that, you know, 10 day hunt, if it is a 10 day hunt, or are they going to be the guy that's going to give you, give up on you halfway through? You want to make sure that they're going to do whatever they can to make you happy uh, make that experience of maybe one your once in a lifetime hunt the best it can possibly be. And, you know, that's, in my opinion, that can be pretty hard to find in, in a lot of outfitters. And that's why, you know, most outfitters don't make it past five years in the industry. And so in, in you know, that's, that's just something I've noticed and, and seen in the past. I, I don't know if, if really that's a true statistic, but, you know, it seems like the the really good guys, the guys that really persevere and and you know give their clients the the best experience possible. They they would do anything. They'd give them the world if they could. 
those are the guys that are making it. Those are the guys that are getting repeat clients and, and return customers. And then also their name is just spreading like wildfire. So another thing you want to do when you're hiring an outfitter is ask for references. Uh, past clients, good and bad. Because uh, you, you never know. It, you want to hear all the good reviews from all the past clients. But you may want to hear a review from a, a bad client too, because we've all got them. There's always, you know, some guy that either was too hard to please or maybe you just didn't get along with him. Um, you may want, as a client, you may want to talk to that guy and just see if, okay, maybe this guy has one little quirk and you want to know what it is before you go hunt with him. Or maybe it wasn't even the guy's fault. Maybe it was just that client was just too irrational and wasn't reasonable with what his expectations were. Um, another thing is, is you want to see that your outfitter is managing those expectations and, and making sure that you know exactly what you're getting into. And, and that way you don't get your hopes too high and, and possibly be let down at the end of the hunt. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I've, I've had a couple of guys that, yeah, we've had to ask them to leave the ranch just because they wouldn't follow rules. And so, um, yeah, I don't know anybody that's had every perfect client. I'm sure they've, everybody's got couple guys that would give them a bad review so yeah it's like you say yeah it'd be, it'd be good to have a reviews from good good clients and a couple of bad clients just to see what their oh their yeah for opinion, sure opinions were yeah don't be afraid to ask a lot of questions either i mean most outfitters are really good they're going to answer every question you have you know they they want your business but at the same time you know most outfitters they can spot someone who's going to be really tough to hunt with them and, and they, <laughs> they, they might turn you away. So you just never know. But you know, another thing, make sure as a client, you do your research, you know, the laws, the regulations and all that. And you can kind of quiz your outfitter a little bit on this stuff and make sure that they're going to be upholding those laws and regulations. Cause you don't want to be hunting with anybody who's too shady and, and uh, going to be, you know, possibly, breaking the rules you know that, that could put put you as a hunter in a really bad spot yeah for sure what uh you got maybe one hunting story that stands out that you'd like to share oh yeah there's man there's a bunch of hunting stories that um tell my uh the sheep hunting story from this past year it was it was pretty remarkable and pretty special uh you know, a, a good friend of mine and, and, you know, I acted as a guide, but, uh, let me be straight up this, this friend of mine, he did not pay me anything. I went in there to hunt for him and, and just help him out as much as possible and make the hunt as best it could be. So, but it was still, it was an awesome hunt. We, we killed a giant ram and, uh, had a great time, but, uh, good friend of mine, uh, Devin Meinhart, he called me and, and said his younger brother, who was 17 years old, drew a, a California bighorn tag on the old cricks here in Utah. And man, I was just I was so happy for him. I, I was kind of jealous because this kid's 17 years old. He's got a sheep tag in his pocket. And, you know, he, he he knows what he's got, but yet he's still he's he doesn't know. And uh man, he's he's super pumped about it. I'm super pumped for him. Well, as the the summer kind of went by. Uh, Devin had asked me for a few, you know, pictures and, and help, help in maybe judging some of these rams and, and seeing, you know, what to expect and hopefully, you know, kind of give him an idea what to hunt. 
And so I said, yeah, sure. You know, I, I'll help you wherever I can. He, he sent me pictures and, and I tell him, you know, eh, that's pretty young crap, you know, five, six years old. We, I think you could find better. And the more and more, you know, he sent me pictures, the more and more I helped him kind of get a grasp on what we were looking for. And, and uh, you know, he gave me the invite to go and I was not about to say no to that. So I, uh, I had said yes to going to that. And, and a few days before the rifle deer hunt, I had actually got a call from an older gentleman and, and needed some help on the Henry mountains on, on his hunt. And so I told Dev and I says, Hey man, like do some scouting. I'll try and be there, but you know, I have this hunter I want to take care of and I'll be there as soon as I can. Well, fortunately, we were able to, you know, get in and out on the the Henrys and and still kill a really good buck and and then get back to, you know, <laughs> on the big ram. That was what, kind of what I was really hoping to do most of that week. You know, as pre scout for his younger brother's hunt, and uh, you know, Devin was right in the middle of moving and he couldn't get in a lot of scouting and and his brother Jace, you know, was seventeen just. You know, younger kid didn't know the the mountain. You know, maybe as well as I did, or or even you know he does, but just didn't <laughs> want to go out there all by himself, which I don't blame him. But uh, you know, at first day I went out, and it was a Wednesday before the hunt. Hunt opened on Saturday, and I found a couple pretty good rams. One was you know an eight year old ram, but not. Uh, not a huge curl. So, you know, we, I sent pictures to Devin kind of helped him get excited and relieve some stress. And, and he says, is that a shooter? And I said, well, we'll see what happens, but you know, probably not first day shooter. And he said, okay. So tip scouting and, and keep looking and, and good friend of mine had given me a tip where a couple of really nice rams would be. And it was one of the spots that, you know, I had thought about scouting and, and was going to definitely look. And so I, I get in there and that Wednesday evening and, and turn up this Ram that, uh, he had told me about, he said it, it had a collar on it. And, uh, you know, these, these sheep on the Oak Creek had been, uh, you know, put on the Oak Creek a few years back, maybe 10 years back. And, uh, you know, this was one of the first Rams to be, introduced it had a blue ear tag and and that that was a one of the indicators that showed what year he came from showed that he was you know three-year-old ram when they, they had transplanted him and you know whatever it was how long however long ago it was seven years ago and so it was pretty cool to, to kind of put all the puzzle pieces together that way but you know we glass this ram up he's got a blue ear tag in his right ear and he's got a radio collar makes him pretty easy to identify from all the other sheep and uh yeah I mean, he's just a stud of a ram really heavy uh really good curl broomed off on the ends held his mask all the way out with the tips uh just you know the type of ram anybody's looking for in, you know in a class four ram and so we decided that was the ram we were going to sit on until opening day uh, we got a few pictures, video that night, and and uh, shut it down. Went back to town and and showed Devin, and, and uh, we, I mean he was ecstatic about it. So Thursday morning we go back out, and 
and find the ram and, and just keep tabs on him for that morning. And, and he moved around with some news and you know, something pretty cool. I hadn't seen before is there was uh, some news that, you know, had moved into this rock outcropping and, you know, it, it, all of a sudden I'm watching this, this hole in this big old undercut boulder and, and sheep are coming out of it. And as I start looking into it, I could see sheep in there. And I guess it, you know, it was, it was cold enough. They were just keeping each other warm and whatnot, but it was kind of cool. And I hadn't seen that before, just a, you know, hole in the rock about the size of a, a Volkswagen bug. And, and there's just sheep that are coming in and out of it, like a, a little cave. But, uh, you know, we keep, keep track of that round for the, that day. And, and, uh, you know, put him to bed that night, wake up Friday morning, do the same thing over again. We make sure that we keep track of him. You know, that night we got a, a few more buddies to come help us look at him. We got Devin and Jace, the younger brother. Uh, Devin's older brother is there, and they're, they're good buddy, Cade, and, and then myself. And, and we're all there just watching the ramp, videoing and taking pictures. He's in, the, he's in a little bit different spot, but still pretty close to the last place we'd seen him. And uh, so we watch him clear up until dark. About 10, 15 minutes before dark, uh, he actually leaves his ewes and starts to wrap around this one ridge where we can't see him. And I kind of panicked because I didn't want to lose track of this ram. I knew if we put him to bed, we would be able to be right back on him in the morning. And, uh, you know, I was nervous if we lost track of him, we wouldn't be able to put him to bed and be right on top of him in the morning. So. He rounds that ridge and we hurry and bail off that hill and, and try wrapping down lower and getting the spawn scope set up back up on him to, you know, get a good idea where he is. And, and, uh, we couldn't see him. Right? <laughs> he just totally disappeared around that edge of the ridge. And, and we decided, well, I mean, we'll just be right here in the morning and, and hopefully he's here. And so after a long sleepless night, uh, you know, we showed up a couple hours for daylight. Um, we wanted to make sure we were all in place before sun got up. Um, as it was, we had Cade across the canyon on his spot and scope watching, you know, the, the, from the point we had watched the night before, watched the round from the night before. And, uh, and then I set way back with my spawning scope and, and uh, just so I could see most of the country. And then we set, uh, Jace, the hunter, and Devin and their older brother, all, you know, about six, 700 yards. Um, there we go. You, you still there? Yeah, I got you in the back now. Okay, sorry. Uh, so, uh, starts getting light, and we're all set up. We're talking between our radios. We're just, you know, kind of making sure everybody is in place. And and uh, we had some other, other buddies coming up. They were just running a little late, so... We just, uh, you know, we're waiting on them and, and waiting for it to get light. And it starts getting light, and Devin comes over the radio, and he says, I've got a sheep. His butt is facing us. I can't tell if it's a ram. I think it's a ram, but, you know, I, I, you know I've got a sheep. See if you can see him, Morgan. Like I was at the perfect angle of seeing this ram or seeing the sheep, and I get my spotting scope on, and it's just had too dark. I just – I could tell it's a sheep. But and when it turns its heads, I think I can see the horns and just just say to him, you know, I think it's it, it's a sheep, but you know, or I think it's a ram, but just hold tight and and we'll see. And it gets a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter. And 
And as the passing minutes go by, I'm just on the radio telling them, yeah, it's it's a round. Okay, five minutes later, it goes by. Okay, it's a good round. Well, five minutes more goes by, and I'm able to see really well. And he turns his head, and I can see the collar. I can see the blue ear tag, and I says, it is Old Blue. We nicknamed him Old Blue. And uh says, you know, it, it's a it's Old Blue. Get, get on him and get a shot if you can get it. And where the round was, I don't know the exact range they were at, but you know, it just wasn't the most ideal shot. He never, you know, turned full broadside as, as he's moving up through the rocks. They're trying to get a shot and it, they're readjusting and, you know, just waiting for the, the perfect shot. And he gets out to the edge of these cliffs and he just looks down in the bottom of the canyon like he's, you know, this thousand mile stair. And, uh, you know, Cade across the canyon can see him. I can see him. The hunter, Devin. Their old brother can see him. They're they're all on him, and I just you know say, hey, if if you got the shot, probably a good idea. There were some other hunters in the area that we had ran into, you know, the days prior to hunting this ram, and and uh, they had known about this ram. They had seen us in there quite a bit, and I I'm pretty sure they were pretty uh, you know it was pretty obvious we were hunting sheep, and and they they knew what we were in there doing. And so there was no secrets, you know, that we're all after this one big ram. And, you guys were just wait, waiting for the ram to fall, right? Yeah, we're, we're hoping, <laughs> you know, it's our bullet that's going to make him fall. But, you know, I could see the other hunters side-hilling towards the ram. I don't know if they ever saw it or not, but I could see them, and I knew they were close. And they're actually between, uh, well, actually on the other side of Cade, and Cade was just on the other side of the ram. So we had, you know, three different angles on this ram and then the, the other hunters on the other backside of the ram. And I'm just waiting to see this ram fall and I'm hoping it's going to be ours. And, <laughs> but it's not happening. It's, <laughs> it feels like it's, you know, forever going on. And, and in all reality, from the time we could tell it was him to the time I lost him in my spawning scope was about uh, 15 minutes. And because I have this all on video and, I'm just whispering through the radio, like, if you've got the shot, take it, you know, trying to be as calm as possible. But inside my, my heart is about to jump out of my chest. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden the ram just whirls and takes off. And I hear the report of a rifle and, and I, I assumed it was them. I, I was pretty sure it was them that is shot. And I says, he's hit. If you can hit him again, hit him again. And he slows down and, and he starts something I'd never seen before, but he had like, he was like stretching his legs and, and like, Oh, what was going, what, what just happened, you know? And, and about that time they shoot again. And uh, that time he jumps again and, and reviewing the footage, you know, you can see him hit both times and uh, he slows down again and he's about to go down and they shoot him again. So he keeps running and, uh, he slows down again and they shoot and hit a rock and, and blue rocks everywhere. And, and the whole time I'm trying to be calm and just, you know, talk them through the, the motions, you know, calm down, take a good shot, you know, you know, make, make the best shot possible. Just squeeze the trigger. I'm calling their shots for them. The one shot they hit in the rocks was high, right? So I just said, you know, you're high, right. I'll take another shot. And uh, across that bare hillside, they get uh, six shots and he disappears on the other side of these rock ledges and I can't see him. 
and Cade can't see him and the hunters can't see him. Nobody's got eyes on this thing. He just dumped over into the, uh, this other little ravine and oh, none of us, you know, know what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, we, uh, we start scrambling. I said, Cade, you know, hurry and get over here. You know, and I, I start hiking up towards them. The other guys had showed up just in time. They start hiking up towards the hunters. They, uh, Devin, his brothers hike up to right where the last, we had last seen the ram and they look into the ravine and they can't see. And they says, well, Morgan, will you hike across the canyon blast back towards us so we can see if we can, you know, locate this ram and get him killed. So I haul butt up there and I'm huffing and puffing. I drop down in this canyon. I'm coming back up the other side. As I'm coming up the other side, I'm glassing every chance I get and I can't see this ram. I'm, I'm panicking. I'm just thinking, Oh no, what the heck is going on? And, there's no blood. They can't find any blood. I review the footage with the guys on it. Uh, the two guys that showed up when, when I met up with them the first time and, uh, they said, Oh yeah, it looks like he's hit a couple times. We should be able to find him. So I'm high, you know, this is that but right before I had crossed this Canyon and up the other side, but I'm going up the other side and they're sitting on the rocks just in case I bump him and they can get a shot. And, uh, so I get up on this one last rock and, glass across and right below him about 10 yards i can see this ram with all four legs in the air and his head tucked up under his body and i i just screamed across again yeah buddy you got him you know and just pooping and hollering and they were they jumped up thinking that this ram's alive and, and we're getting ready to <laughs> shoot and i just come over the radio i said no he's dead man he, he did it you know and and they got in this you know one little spot where they just couldn't see down into the ravine and and repositions themselves a little bit and, and there he was they could make him out clearly no problems and, and I, I guess golly that's probably the fastest i ever climbed him out on this just to go put my hands on that sheet and see that thing that was that was way cool and finally you know got put my hands on him jace was just ecstatic devin was ecstatic all of us were just so pumped you know be a part of something like that um ended up that Jace made three incredible shots. He, he had shot at this ram, uh, I believe, five times as it was going across this hillside, five or six times, and he'd hit it three, and, and it was at 650 yards. So, Smokes. That is a good shot. Yeah, pr- pretty good pretty good shots for kid. And, I mean, he did great and got over there. All all the shots were right through the, the you know body cavity. They were going to kill him. No, they did. We think that right as he got over that uh, little ravine where we, none of us could see him, he probably stood there for maybe a minute and, and was done. Just because when we got to him, uh, you know, Rigamortis is already set in. He was start, starting to stiffen up. But, you know, that was probably the highlight of my year last year. That was pretty incredible. Watch that 17-year-old kill that giant ram on, you know, a, a unit that's really not known for, for big – California bighorns or, or big rams you know, for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's pretty sweet. Especially like you say, 17 year old kid getting to shoot a ram like that. Usually it's you're waiting 20 to 25 years for something like that. Oh yeah. He, he'd actually drawn this tag his first year of flying. So Gee, lucky. pretty, pretty he cool. Went, he should have went and bought some lotto tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, we should have been in Vegas, I guess, but that's you know, right. it was a lot better being there on the mountain. Heck yeah. So what, uh, what units does Colob Outfitter specialize in? 
yeah. So for elk units, we're we're hunting on the the Wasatch, uh, the Fillmore Pavant, Mountain Ebo, the Beaver, Southwest Desert, uh, Book Cliffs, West Desert, Deep Creek, the Monroe, Fish Lake, the Dutton, Boulder. You know, those are the main elk units we're on, and and we're you know trying to have you know good success on over the years i've i've been pretty lucky i've been able to you know find a few guys across the state that live locally to these units and and you know create some really good relationships and friendships with these guys and now they're guiding for me and they're you know they know these units really well know them like the back of their hand and, and they're they're conquering you know last year uh we had a a hunter on the Dutton and Boulder and, and killed a couple of really great bulls. And, and then on the Wasatch as well, and, and killed a really good bull there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping this year that we're going to have more hunters across the state and be able to, you know, get a few more big bulls down. And uh, for a mule deer, we're also, you know, still on the book list there. Uh, Henry Mountains, the Oak Creeks, especially, you know, the Oak Creeks is probably, you know, my area of expertise. It's where I grew up. You know, Delta is only 30 minutes from the Oak Creeks, heart of mule deer country. And, and, you know, I spent a lot of time on there, um, you know, shed hunting and helping other hunters and, and just you know, scouting a lot of deer. And there's one year there where I, I scouted, you know, before the, the rifle hunt came around, I had uh, found 10 bucks that I, I knew were over 10, 200 inches. And uh, so pretty, pretty crazy and pretty incredible what the Oak Creek's been producing and Henry Mountains as well. It's Henry's isn't as good as what it used to be, but it's still a really great unit. Along with the Dolores Triangle, we're, we're out there as well. I have a guy that lives out on the Colorado, Utah border and he's taking care of the book cliffs and Dolores triangle for us along with the LaSalle's. Uh, and, uh, and then we've got a guy that lives in Milford. He's taking care of the Southwest desert, the beaver, uh, a little bit of the South end of the Tavon in, in that area. Uh, and then I, uh, got a guy that we just hired last year, grew up in Anemone, which is right between the Dutton and the Boulder. And so he knows both those units very well, along with the Monroe. And, and so, you know, we're, we're spread out, but, you know, I've got guys that really know what they're doing and they know, know these units really well. And, and they've had a lot of experience on them. So. Heck yeah, man. What, uh, you got any readily available hunts for 2023 that you're still booking for? Yeah, we have a few over the counter hunts left, uh, just for, We'll go buy a tag over the counter for any bull and for muzzleloader archery or rifle. We just got a few spots open for that for the year and for archery and, and muzzleloader specifically. And then uh, we do cow elk hunts starting in November and going clear into January. And <laughs> I'm sure as most people know, you follow social media enough, you a lot of people frown upon those cow elk hunts, but they are a, a very good tool in, in management and are, are needed in, in some cases. So yeah, we, we chase those cows. They're up into the January, clear the end of January. 
And, uh, you know, we love taking guys out on those hunts. They're a really good meat hunt. Anybody who's looking for a good first time elk hunt needs to kill their first elk or, you know, just finish their hunter safety. Um, you know, that's a really good hunt for anyone that way. And then, you know, obviously we're taking out anybody who's, who's drawn a tag. No, I shouldn't say just, not just anybody, but most guys they are drawing tags locally here in Utah, some out-of-staters that are, you know, been building points for 20 plus years and finally drawn that tag they've been wanting for so long. So we're doing that as well, but we've got to kind of wait for the draws to come out to, to get those hunters. And so also we're doing, doing some turkey hunts, uh, <laughs> go on a wild turkey chase and, and make the best of that. Take a couple guys out this year. And um, crazy enough, we also do snow goose hunts. It's, uh, you know, not something we do a lot of and, and we do other waterfowl, but, uh, you know, when we first started, uh, co-op outfitters, you know, the snow goose hunts were a good, good starter to, for us just to get a little bit of, uh, funds and go in to help pay for, you know, insurance or forest service, BLM permits and kind of the cost of, of running the business. And so that was kind of nice to have that and, and help get us a good jump started to, the year and keep us going right on man what uh what hunts would you say that you guys kind of specialize in oh uh, man i would say elk hunts we we hunt a lot of elk we we did 26 cow elk hunts last year we did eight you know just over the counter bull hunts last year uh, did you know, hunt on the Wasatch, a hunt on the, the Southwest Desert, on the Dutton, on the Boulder. And uh, those four bulls, I, I mean, just off the top of my head, I, <laughs> you know, name and, and we all, all, well, three out of the four bulls were over 350. And one, one was uh, 330, and that was the Wasatch bull. And so we're, I mean, we're not killing the giantest bulls, but we are definitely, uh, putting forth a pretty good effort and giving the other outfitters a run for their money. Yeah, that's good. It's a uh, <clears throat> sounds like you're uh, trying to have a good time while out hunting elk and still killing big bulls while having fun. Oh yeah, that's what it's all about. Well, we yeah we love hunting elk. I mean, September is is obviously the best time because of the rut and get to be in the screaming bulls and get get to be in all that action we got to do the mount dutton hunt first and in, in with muzzleloader last year and then uh, move on to the the southwest desert one of my guide's wives drew a a uh, southwest desert tag for the muzzleloader hams hunt and we actually went out and killed a really good bull on that hunt and and then we uh you know went out on the Wasatch and, and killed a pretty good bull there as well. And in the mid rifle, they're still rotten a little bit. And we were able to show those or show that hunter a, a really good time, called in a few bulls for him to, to check out. The first time he'd ever been hunting, he had an absolute blast. On the fourth day, we, we killed his bull and then we did a, a late rifle bull on the boulder. And man, we, we really hunted hard on that one hundred for seven days and finally on that seventh day we were able to find a bull that was 
59 inches outside spread, pretty wide bull. Um, not a, a really great scoring bull. Still scored over 350, but, you know, we're trying to kill something a little bit bigger on the boulder. But um, as old a bull as it was, we were very happy with it as, you know, just got the age back on that bull and it come back as 11-year-old bull. So uh, pretty pretty happy about that. And, and hopefully, you know, that's something we'll be able to hunt again in the future. Heck yeah, dude. So what's the uh, best way to get in contact with you guys to uh, get a hunt booked? Uh, yeah, so we've got our uh, Facebook, Instagram, it's just Colob Outfitters. Instagram is Colob underscore Outfitters. Our email is colaboutfitters at gmail.com. And then you can check us out at our website, uh, com, And it's spelled K-O-L-O-B hunting.com. So anybody wants to check us out in those spots you can send us an email and subscribe subscribe to our email list for upcoming hunts and bookings and and then also you can get a hold of me and, and my personal number is 435-253-3148 all right sweet man and i take it most people that come hunt with you probably fly into uh, salt lake right Oh yeah, Salt Lake's probably the the best place to fly into. I get, I think it's one of the only places I know there's an airport in Provo. But you know, depending on where you're flying from, it's the, you know, what's going to be the best. And, and typically, it's Salt Lake. Heck yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you uh, hopping on today and recording a podcast. And any of you guys out there, if you uh, draw a Utah tag and you're wanting to uh, hire a guide or outfitter uh give morgan a call so done a lot of business with morgan this past year that i've met him so but yeah man just like to uh tell you thanks for hopping on and doing a podcast appreciate it yeah thank you it's uh great to talk with you a little more and looking forward to everything you got coming down the line and working with you heck yeah man i appreciate it